episode 86, The Mask of Mandragora. Mandragora. Mandoragara. Mandorsephora. I, I realized at the end of the last episode that I meant to say Mandragora, but I said Mandragora, and I don't fucking care. I got it wrong. I get a lot of things wrong. Everything in my life is wrong. What happened in the episode, dear? Well, in the Mask of Mangadora, uh, they're in the TARDIS, and they're walking around, looking around, talking, find the second control room of the TARDIS, then they turn the TARDIS on and look out the window and see the Mangadora helix. And it's pure energy, no one understands it, there's intelligence in the middle, that's all you need to know. They start getting sucked off into it, and Sarah has to say the alphabet backwards. The doctor goes outside, looks around, it's weird, he feels tiny. Sarah also hears a noise, and then a red light that is helix energy is bad comes around, and they're like, oh fuck, and they go back into the TARDIS. Uh, but we can't leave, but it, back into the TARDIS we go. But it can't leave because the evil laughing voice said so, I thought. And then it leaves. Cut to the medieval era. Shit, people being murdered and insurrection. Farquaad is the count. But then some old Farquaad dude seems to be dying. He is dead, actually. And a young Farquaad is upset about it. This is going to get very not confusing very quickly, I promise. Apparently a man foretold his death. He's an astrologer wow. priest, dude. He's like, wow, it's magic. Shitty old Farquaad comes inside the room and is apparently young Farquaad's uncle. Uncle Farquaad is upset that his sport of attacking people isn't enjoyable. And Berries and Cream Boy is angry that his father is dead. And he's Duke now. So they start to think it's going to be a murder because he was healthy at the time. Uncle Farquaad is talking about with the priest about their plans and the poison. Priest is just like, I'm just psychic, bro. The sun makes me powerful. TARDIS is now here. Sarah sees some oranges, eats one while being watched, and then is captured by some monks who I wanted to call the Italian KKK and Gam wouldn't let me. And then old doctor, the fucking doctor fucking assaults them for taking Sarah, but then one assaults the doctor, and then a red helix light flies out of the TARDIS, fucks up some shit. Then the doctor wakes up, sees a man messing with some hay, and the helix flies towards him, kills him. The doctor goes to investigate. Yeah, he's dead. He brought it here. We fucked up. It's the basic gist of the story. <coughs> Berries and Cream yeah. is reading... While his attendee polishes his sword, uh, not an innuendo, uh, Farquaad walks in and the priest goes, listen, horoscopes say you're going to die. Barry's is like, nah, you're lying. I don't believe it. The doctor is walking and asks about Sarah to some dudes, but then some knights come up and go, who the fuck is you? Then the doctor steals a horse and leaves. Sarah is brought to the Hooded Society, and Sarah is apparently an important sacrifice to Dimnos, which is basically the devil. Doctor is brought to Farquaad, and they wonder where he's from. He tries to explain it. Everyone laughs at him. He tries again. He's crazy. The red light, meanwhile, is killing some fuckers. The doctor is asked questions about the moon. They still think he's crazy, so it's time to execute him. Berries and Cream is here. Wonders who the doctor is. Don't worry about it. Sarah's placed in a white dress, prep for sacrifice, and the doctor is headed to his execution. And there, yeah. Yeah. That's that's it. That's the entire episode. Good night, everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So, we need to go back to something that we 
have spoken a little bit about. Is it the Italian Season KKK? B. No, not the Italian KKK. We're not going back to it. Season 6B. So, Season 6 was uh, the second Doctor's final season. And at the end of it, there there's a theory that plugs some holes into... It plugs some holes that have been kind of created around the second Doctor's regeneration. Things like his involvement in future things, him having knowledge that he shouldn't theoretically have, uh, collaborations in stories where he's like, I gotta get back to this character, but this that character wouldn't know that he exists, that sort of thing. Um, and this story kind of provides more evidence to be used to create a season 6B, because we have this new console room in the TARDIS. Uh, it's round look roundel still. It's wood panelled, uh, designed uh, because they thought uh, Barry Newbury uh, wanted it to be wood grain looking. It's very nice. I like it. I like it as a one-off sort of thing. They intentionally kind of were going to make it like, like, oh, this is the secondary console room. We'll just use this from this on out. It's like. I mean, it's neat, but it's not good as, like, a main one. Um, so they only use it for, for a little bit. Um, but, uh, they, they walk in and he says, oh, this is the old control room, uh, console room. And then, uh, we find some frilled shirts, some shaving equipment, and a recorder. And it's like, hang on a second, we never saw the second Doctor in here. How did the second Doctor use this console room if we never saw him in it? And it's like, well, Season 6B would fill that in, because it would make sense, because the second Doctor would have still been travelling, and he could have used that console room when he was travelling. Um, that's what that's all about. Uh, also, uh, Elizabeth Sladen playing Sarah Jane... Uh, initially was going to uh, initially was going to be leaving at the end of season 13 uh, but then some episodes got shuffled around and also this episode came into creation and she had read about it and heard about it well, more so and wanted to make it uh, because it interested her uh, she just really likes berries and cream I guess mm-hmm. um, also the intro as you may have noticed has more of a serif style font that looks a tiny bit embossed a little bit uh, uh, that stays until this title sequence completely changes I like it when it's embossed like this it's it's pretty neat um, but Philip Hinchcliffe was inspired to do a story set in Renaissance Italy uh, because he saw Roger Corman's 1964 film version of Edgar Allan Poe's The Mask of the Red Death so that's where uh, The Mask of Danganronpa has come from mm. Um, so what happens in the second part though, dear? Is everyone dead? Yeah. Actually, um, fun fact, the doctor was like, I'm going to make my own Italy with bitches and (laughs) gambling. Blackjack and hookers. And blackjack and hookers. So he steals a horse. 
that the the stealing yep. a horse part was actually the right part. That actually the, does happen. The the, the 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 executioner is about to swing the sword, and he's like, "Hang on a second. Do you mind if I just like readjust my scarf? I need to look good." And then and he then... does and knocks the executioner over, and then steals a horse, and then slaps the horse's ass. Yep. Buenos dias, nay horse. Nay horse. Just buenos yeah. dias, horsey. Horsey, I guess, yeah. Because it, it's if fine. You, I mean, if you want to make the, the comic, you could do it that. D no. You can make the comic, you meme fuck. <laughs> Back to the sacrifice setup and hunting for the doctor. Everyone's too scared to go underground, so he's good. Sarah's prepped to sacrifice. The doctor wanders around. Cult members do the hokey pokey, and the doctor just drags Sarah away last second before she's killed. Then the temple suddenly looks restored or something, and the doctor's like, let's leave. Meanwhile, Berries and Cream are inspecting that dead body from the red light. Uh, Sarah and the doctor talk about what happened, and she learns about the helix light coming back. But now they're at spear point and captured again, which that sucks. Back at the temple. Hold on, Evie's here. She wants to say hello. Ah! Ugh, hold on. There you go. Uh, back at the temple, the the hot dog, there's a hot dog light, okay? I just need you hot to- dog. There's just a hot dog light, okay? Helix says, bro, you can be the ruler of the earth if you want, and everyone's like, yo, but no one else can stand in the hot dog. Also, by the way, is the priest is purple hot dog guy. The doctor and Barry's meet back up. They're going to be protecting the doctor, baby. They know Farquaad murdered their dad, and the doctor is just kind of looking around. Doctor is shown the blue dead body from earlier. Farquaad is upset that the doctor and Sarah can't be found. He also has a message for him, a list of the people who are showing up tonight. Uh, also, here's a whole bunch of royal people headed this way to celebrate the dukedom. Uh, hot dog... And Farquaad goes to his priest and he's like, I want to kill berries tonight. Like, we gotta get it done. Okay? And then... Uh, is that the... I think that's the end of the episode? <laughs> it, it's another one where there's, like, no... It's really... <laughs> I I keep having paragraphs end on a page and it's really annoying. Maybe you should have some sort of other marker to signify that probably that you've, you're done. Probably because that one ends. That one ends when um, part two ends when uh, they're they're going to the temple. Doctors in the catacombs. Uh, berries and cream is about to be killed by his uncle. Uh, the guards corner berries and cream with their swords, and Sarah runs in the catacombs, calling for the doctor, and then is caught by the cult members. Okay, one second. I'm finding that. Hold on. Uh, 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 they fuck up underground. Told him we're the doctor. Uh, okay. Uh, uh, okay. I see. Found it. So, Hot Dog Priest asks what to do because the sword could just kill him. And the light says, not yet, bro, we got you. And the priest is upset that no one takes Hot Dog Religion seriously. Did I really write that? Okay, <laughs> he's gonna put them in their place. Wow! So time to go down into the sewers with berries, uh, and then they both get followed, of course. 
So they're going to blame the cult on the death of berries to get shit done. But the doctor, while down there, gets slapped around a bit by the helix sound. Sarah and Berries are taking a break from the world and talking about how it's round. And then they get caught and cornered. And Sarah makes a break for it to go find the doctor. And she's caught. And she's probably dead. And the doctor is okay. But Helix is laughing at him. And he runs out to help uh, Berries with the sword fight. And Berries gets stabbed uh, a little bit. And the cult members also run to fight everyone off. And the doctor or Berries just fuck around underground. They're like, where's Sarah? And we see Sarah got captured because she's going to be super sacrificed this time. So there you go. Super duper sacrificed. Super, super sacrificed. Super sacrificer. So, uh, Robert Holmes, the script editor, uh, needed a great deal of persuading in order to attempt a historically based story, uh, because he absolutely fucking hated them. He hated historical stories, he hated, he thought they were boring, he thought there was nothing to them, which is part of the reason, part of, him and others, part of the reason why Doctor Who had, hasn't done a proper historical story since, like, the gunfighters, I think, which is a, a very old story. Um, they they tend to avoid pure historicals from now on out because it's like the audience doesn't want something that's just history. There has to be something mm-hmm. to it, and the way that they convinced Robert Holmes was like, okay, it has to be some sort of nasty history. Um, uh, Lewis Marx had written a postgraduate thesis on the era. That they that they wrote for uh, twenty years before, uh, snappily titled "The Development of the Institutions of Public Finance in the Florence During the Last Sixty Years of the Republic, fourteen seventy to fifteen thirty nine, and therefore got the gig. Uh, the script references a number of contemporary, uh, uh, oh yeah, contemporary sources. Uh, not at least Mandragola, uh, by Machiavelli. Uh, prompting Robert Holmes to comment and jokingly say that had he known how many, quote, co-authors there were, uh, he would have only given Marx half the fee of a writer instead. <laughs> Which is a funny little thing. Um, but yeah, th- th- this is this is kind of when I said when we had our last historical, which was a very long time ago. Um, uh, they They don't do historicals from here on out. They only do something set in history with Aliens, or something set in history where there's some sort of time anomaly going wrong. Especially in the TV show, they don't tend to do anything except history with aliens. Uh, Books and audio stuff, they tend to be a little bit more creative with like, okay, here's this historical event, but there's something wrong with time. Or there's like, just something, the Doctor has accidentally done something and it's fucked up a timeline, and now they just have to fix it up. That mm-hmm. sort of thing. Um, but the TV is basically just, oh my god, it's the signing of the Magna Carta, but there's aliens! Oh! Like, that sort of thing. Uh, it's it, it, it's kind of frustrating. But, I mean, it gives them a chance to use some BBC stuff, so who cares? Mm-hmm. Um, also, uh, Philip Hinchcliffe, the producer explicitly stated in a Radio Times interview that uh, the unit stories and invasions of Earth were no longer what the audience, or really the production team, 
uh, wanted from the show, and that he was heading in a more literary adult direction, which we've kind of already seen in the last season. The last season was, uh, season 13 was very much a send-off to invasion stories, what with the android invasion and such, and more adult literary type stories, what with uh, the brain of Morbius, what being Frankenstein, and uh, the android invasion being like more like an invasion of the body snatchers, that type of thing, and same with uh, the Zygons, uh, Terror of the Zygons. Uh, but from here on out, it gets a little bit more literary. That also is a little bit bullshit. Um, I would argue they they kind of drop the literary thing from here on out. It, it becomes a little bit more obscure. Um, uh, it was also at this time that Philip Hinchcliffe was requested to stay on for a fourth year uh, as the producer. But, um, hmm. yeah. What happens, dear, in the next part, if you've written it down correctly? Well, I mean, I'm going to start putting double or triple uh, uh, page breaks. Anyway, so Farquaad's angry because he seriously wants to find his nephew and murder him. Sarah is now being drugged and hypnotized. She's basically told to murder the doctor with a poison needle when she's near him. So we got to go put her near him. So they stick her down there. Uh, in the in the, uh, uh, the 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 sewers, basically. Also, let's prove that Bears and Cream is actually a Satan worshiper, right? Huh? The doctor finds Sarah, but she can't remember anything at all. Why would they leave Sarah? That's weird. And then she's like, "Huh? Why can I understand Latin?" And he's like, mm. "And then the doctor thinks that someone else here." Uh, was why the TARDIS came here. And then Farquaad breaks his way into Barry's and Cream's room and assaults his aide. And then he threatens the priest as well. And he calls him fake for a bit to remember his place. However, we also predict that Farquaad is going to die before anything uh, else. Uh, the doctor is worried that people like Davinci are going to die and throw the world into fuck. And then they continue to torture Barry's aid to say that he's a Satan worshiper. He doesn't break for a while, for a while. And then the doctor is now with the priest and Sarah is also prepped to kill the doctor. But she's happily talked out of it. And she's like, oh, my God, what am I doing? But the doctor is captured again while the priest runs for it. And then the doctor and Sarah are now in chains and sort of just hanging out. Barry's was also captured, so everyone's gonna die, I guess. Back at the power hot dog, everyone is powering themselves up, much like Sonic. The doctor tries to explain to Farquaad what's going on, and he decides to go down to the cults to figure it out. And he's like, if I don't come back, kill everybody. So we see them hanging out with the power hot dog, and Farquaad just walks up like, bitch, what the hell are you doing? And pulls off priest dude's mask, and it's just pure light. And then Farquaad dies. And yeah... I agree, Evie. Oh, did did Evie uh, have some opinion on it? That was her opinion. Oh, okay, Evie. I didn't think we'd have any slurs on this podcast, but okay. Evie, Evie, come on, one more and we have to censor you. Don't, Don't do this. Oh my god, that's it, that's it. Get her out of here, get Uh, her out of here. She's out, she's gone. She's, She's never coming back. Lock... Lock the doors. Don't let her in. Don't let her in. Okay. So. <laughs> so. Uh, other working titles for this story were The Catacombs of Death, Doom of Destiny, Secret of the Labyrinth, 
and the curse of Mandragora, or Mandragora, whatever you want to fucking call it. Uh, Mangadora. Helps if I call it the correct thing. Man- Danganronpa. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> uh, fucking hell. Uh, so, like we sort of described in the last episode, the TARDIS prop, which is the one that they use when they're getting in and out of the TARDIS, uh, they had to retire the old one, which was the one they had been using since, like, the 60s. Uh, since, like, fucking 1963. It was the same prop one, but they had to make a new one for the start of the season, because in the Seeds of Doom, during the final scenes where they were recording, the Doctor and Sarah walking out of the TARDIS... Uh, to walk into Antarctica, uh, the roof of the prop fell down on top of them while they were inside <laughs> and caused them to piss themselves laughing about it. Uh, but the new the new police box that they had is snazzy and sticks around for a while. Uh, funnily enough, it's a little bit darker blue, but it's still not dark enough to be accurate to what the police boxes actually were colour-wise. Um, which is funny to me. Um, but, yes, sev- several elements of the the secondary console room that they have were reused in other designs, like the, the columns and the monitor screen. Mm. Uh, the walls uh, appear up in future episodes painted on doors, like they reuse them for doors, which is kind of funny to me. Uh <sighs> There's uh this the story itself was was uh filmed was it filmed in in this area or was it I think yeah it was filmed in a a, a, a an area in Wales that uh, Philip Hinchcliffe select uh, suggested that they film in because it was a place he had uh, visited when he was a tour tour guide in the sixties. So he knew it very well, and he was like, this would be a good place to set the story. Like, we could film in here. This would be a, a good place for it. It's like, how do you know that? It's like, oh, I used to be a tour guide <laughs> back in the 60s. <laughs> uh, also, uh, one of the... <laughs> so, uh, if this, a lot of people saw this story and saw it as like, hey, they're doing historicals again. Maybe historical stuff is a good idea in the be- to, like, we should do more historical sort of things. And um, uh, the director himself, uh, Rodney Bennett, uh, went on to actually uh, do Robin Hood from here on out. Because uh, it was like, well, you know what? If like we, we have this style of story, we can kind of make it Robin Hood-esque, like the Doctor is charming and dashing and and all about... So it was like, why don't we make him Robin Hood-esque? Like, it fits medieval Renaissance era. That That's that's basically Robin Hood. <laughs> Even though Robin Hood was 13th or 12th century, I think? Not 15th. Yeah. So it's like, that would be a bit, um... Uh, a bit off, time-wise. Uh, but, yes, this... This is... It's a, it's a charming story. I like it. But what happens in the next part, dear? Is everyone dead? Yeah, because the cult made their happy circle to power up the hot dog super hard. Um, 
Also, while down in the prison, everyone's killed because, you know, it's been an hour. But then the doctor shows up and Farquaad's dead because the cult killed him. And so they're like, oh, fuck, I guess we're listening to Barry's again because he's dead. Now it's time to make the castle entire fucking fortress while the doctor thinks of a plan. Uh, More Helix guys are going to come tomorrow night. It's not a good, it's not good. And the doctor going to telescope runs off and starts to do stuff. Barry's is worried about fighting, but he has to stand up and be a strong leader. And the doctor is making some measurements and calculations and has the exact moment in time and second that they will attack. So we basically know what's going on. There are basically go- <sighs> they're going to basically attack with super astronomy powers and take away all of man's ambition. And the answer is instead to exhaust all their power and Barry's comes in and basically gets ignored while he's trying to ask for something. We need wire and a huge metal chess piece. Oh, also there's a dance tonight. Can that still go as planned? And the doctor's like, yeah, sure. Go for it. The doctor now has a chest plate on him. <laughs> uh, puts over his co- puts a coat over it to hide it. Things are apparently really, 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 really bad. But also the doctor has found his inner fear, uh, furry. So that's a fun. Uh, it's a lion, by the way. Rawr. He he also supports furry NFTs. Anyway, the doctor has stuck into the cult room with his wire to do some stuff. While the party's going on, the cult is apparently surrounding the whole palace. <clears throat> Sarah is also at the party, oh. doesn't know where the doctor is, but is now being asked to dance. And the doctor has now connected up all the wire to some nails in the ground, hastily covered them up, and just taken a sweet-ass seat on that table. And so, okay, let's talk like normal Helix to the priest that comes up. And he's like, why are you here, Time Lord? Basically, <clears throat> hold on, I need that. this is so much, oh my god. Mm. They are worried mm. that Earth is going to rival Manga Dicadora, Manga Dicadora, Danganronpa's power. But the doctor is, no, wait, he's okay. Uh, then there's more lightning to the heart, and no, he's okay. But then the sun-faced dude is running out of energy and struggling now. And then we see that some people in weird masks have shown up to the party. But then there's a man in a lion mask that's shown up to the party. And then Sarah's like, oh, doctor, when did you get here? And then he takes it off, and it's not the doctor. And oh, uh. now everyone is surrounded, and they're getting shocked to death. And then the eclipse starts, and everyone's ready to be sacrificed. They're going to sacrifice all the people at once for efficiency. So they summon that red light again, but instead, everybody just gets fucking electrocuted. And the doctor was actually the one in the purple cloak because he already beat the other dude. And the entire day is saved. And they're like, yay! Uh, Can I have a salami sandwich? And they're like, yeah, sure. Here's And then he leaves with some salami. Uh, Yeah, like legitimately. And then the manga da 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 dora is gonna fuck up some shit again in like 500 years so don't worry about it for a while okay bye they're whooshing away that's it whooshy 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 real quick i do just want to say this this story kind of epitomizes doctor who in a in a certain way with the way doctor who treats certain things um it has a sort of fable approach to certain stories and the way it tells things uh this the way this book describes it is actually perfect in my opinion uh, Doctor Who is a program that traditionally has been low on hard theory and high on improbable fantasy. Uh, here, though, things are more explicit than usual. The Doctor blithely states, 
uh, that this is the period halfway between the Dark Age and an Age of Enlightenment. Uh, and to underline the most of the 15th century types we see here are either absolutely refusing to believe in horoscopes or talk in astrology babble all of the time. Uh, the suggestion seems to be that in the 1400s, somebody pulled a big lever, marked a reason, but that not everybody was uh, wired for science power, uh, which is, of course, ludicrous and not what happened. Uh, the idea that science and superstitious uh, superstition are polar opposites is a terribly 19th century one. And if anything, the Renaissance was about measuring, not about chucking out old ideas to bring, like, as being too fantastical. It's not like they went, oh, hey, science is cool. Religion's kind of shit, guys. We should get rid of it. Like, obviously, that's not what happened. Mm -hmm. um, uh, if anything, science was considered by some an extension of religion for a very long time, uh, until, of course, it became heretical uh, in certain aspects. Uh, but it's the sort of thing of, like, a uh, few people in the 15th century Italy would have entirely discounted the possibility of demonic, angelic, or supernatural influences on Earth. Even those who believed in using the new scientific methodology, though throughout the following century many of the discoveries which led to the more rational world of the Enlightenment were uh, sponsored by the Church and considered to go hand-in-hand -hand with Christian law. Again, science is kind of an extension of uh, religion. Uh, Galileo's persecution wasn't exactly typical, or at least, like, that sort of thing. Yeah, it wasn't universal. Uh, but then, when the BBC made the Mask of, Mandra of Mandragora, uh, they didn't want to offend anyone, especially not whilst Mary Whitehouse was watching. Uh, no wonder religions never mentioned, apart from blasphemous and pagan brotherhood. Because, um, again, uh, if you're doing historical stuff, especially European historical you're gonna have to mention Christianity in some form mm -hmm. unless you change the details so you don't have to bring up Christianity. Because if you bring up Christianity, especially in the 70s, 80s, and 90s arguably and today. today, although today today, today, you kind of can actually get away, uh, like Doctor Who very much gets away with uh, bringing Let's up put it this way, Christianity depending on what country you're in. Depending on what country you're in, yes, of course, you will get some outrage still. Um, but back in the day, especially, it was like, hey, if you mention Christianity, you're going to offend a whole heap of people, like, saying that, like, Christianity was like this. Uh, the script would have had to have decided whether Catholicism was on the doctor's side or the enemy's side, essentially. So it's like, we need to sidestep this fucking issue. Um, we, it's also well known that even uh, Newton, uh, supposed godfather of all that's proper and scientific, uh, Isaac Newton, sir... Uh, was a practic practicing alchemist and believer in tangible higher powers as late as the 1700s. So it's difficult to accept that a prince would dismiss the works of Hieronymus as bosh, uh, because astrology can't possibly be true, rather than, say, because Hieronymus is just a bad astrologer. <laughs> uh, the writer would have known this, of course, because, you know, they did their fucking doctorate on it. Um, but there's a difference between knowing something and putting it into effect in as a 90-minute piece of TV, uh, Renaissance, thought stretched, uh, Renaissance thought stretched the importance of observation rather than received wisdom. And how do you televise that? Uh, observation requires time. Television requires exposition. Audiences expect instant results. So Hieronymus is a full blather and a fraudulent peddler of superstition, yet the story can't resist giving him... Uh, 
premonitions that turn out to be true, and passing them up with his vague, unexplained elements of Mandragora's plan. Um, so yeah, this is the kind of thing, like, in the early 70s, you could get away with, like, spiritualism and kind of using elements and aesthetics of, like, Buddhism, like they did. Uh, but Christianity is kind of always a no-go. Even using the devil. Like, remember with the demons, they they almost got in trouble for, like, basically making the devil in, in that sort of sense. Because um, it was basically meant to be the devil. Uh, but they were like, we can't do this because that, like... Christianity, it's a bit iffy, but then the BBC were like, oh no, you can like have Satan and Satanism all you want, you just can't have Christianity. You cannot say it is the Christian devil. It's that sort of thing. It's like, no, it's the Satan, Satanist devil, like that sort of thing. Um, so that's why the historical stories are always a little bit odd. It's, it's uh, Christian sensibilities, essentially. Uh, censoring the story to not offend Christians. Uh, which, you know, not not like, oh, boo-hoo, poor Christians. Like, I, I'm i very much a believer of, like, intentionally offending people is never a fun thing to do. But also in terms of stories, like if they had done a story about the Spanish Inquisition, it's like, uh, you kinda need to include Christianity in that one, boys. Uh, it's kind of, kind of, kind of important, that one. Uh, persecution. It's a who is persecuting who? It's like okay, you need to you need to include this, and not even a sense of like Christianity is bad, but you like you can't pretend that Christianity is perfect throughout the ages. The same with all religion. All religion has had times. Well, the majority of them have had times in history where they have utilized and uh taken their doctrines and teachings and uh, used them to justify some kind of horrendous things by our standards. Uh, and it's like, it doesn't really feel right to just pretend that that's not the case or sweep mm -hmm. it under the rug for a story like this. Uh, but it was the 70s and they didn't really care that much. And also the potential of pissing off Christians would have really fucked everything up for the show. So... Yeah. That's why it's a bit like this. Um, in the end, it's a, it's personally, it's a, it's a fine episode. It's not one I really go and rewatch much. If I, if I want a, a, a decent historical one, maybe I'd go back to this one. Um, but the majority of it is just like, you know what? Eh. But what do you think, dear? like a four really i i mean there's yeah, there's i feel about the same cults are fun some things are fun i don't exactly really care love a cult. that much yeah we love a cult i will i will state at the end of the episode the doctor go uh, uh sarah goes oh so is that it is that it for the uh, the helix and the doctor goes well uh, we've defeated it now, but it'll probably build up enough power in about 500 years to attack again. And it's like, ooh, is this a lead into another story? Ooh, a cliffhanger. Uh, spoilers, no. Uh, it never comes back to the television. The helix is gone. But there is a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful novel uh, called Beautiful Chaos that is a sequel to this story. It stars the Tenth Doctor and Donna. Uh, set in 2009 or 2008, I believe. 
Uh, and it's basically like, hey, it's been 500 years, the Helix is back, and uh, uh, it's a lovely story about um, them visiting uh, Donna's grandfather to just, you know, visit and talk about all the adventures that Donna's had, and he's like, well, I've I've kind of had a bit of a fling myself, and it's like, he's got a bit of a love interest, and she's going through her own struggles right now, and then the Helix attacks, and it's like, oh god, what are we gonna do? Uh, it's a great story. I, I honestly highly recommend picking up the book, especially if you like Donna and uh, Wilfred Mott as characters. It's a, a fun book. There's an audiobook of it as well, which I think is read by Bernard Cribbins, who played Wilfred Mott, and his voice is great. Um, mm. Beautiful Chaos. Go go read it. It's a good one. Uh, but yeah, there, there's uh, uh, another story, I believe, the first Doctor story from like the 90s in a book where the Helix also comes back, but it's like, I haven't read those. I've, I've barely read any of the 90s books because like the 90s is a weird time for me when it comes to Doctor Who. It just feels weird, the books. Mm-hmm. Um, the covers are awful as well. <laughs> um, anyway. But yeah, it's it, it, I like the idea of the Helix as like this kind of entity of energy from the dark times that's like, hey, we need to stop humanity from evolving because they're going to fucking ruin everything. So we're just going to take over some people and convince them to not, like, evolve. Hmm. It's it's a neat creative premise. The special effects were in this show were, it's basically just someone with a laser pointer and some sparkles. <laughs> so anyway, it's great. Yeah. So that's the Mask of Mandragora, Mandragora, the Mask of Mandragora. I keep wanting to say Mandragora, Mask of Man- Mandragora. I fuck this. Fuck the title. Fuck it all. Fuck a fuck Dung and Romper. Uh, next episode. Okay, it's the blank of blank, dear. What one do you want? What word do you want? The easier one. They're both easy. They're both four-letter words. The fear of what? Okay, well, you already guessed one of them, so it's the blank of fear. Okay, well... The look of fear... I don't know. I already guessed fear randomly. Mm-mm-mm. Well, I asked you which one, and you didn't say which one. You just said two random words. And I said, okay, well, you got that one, so you have to guess the other one. No. Uh, I'll give you a hint. The other word is a body part. Don't say penis. Face. Close. Hand. But you need to go a little bit further down. Foot. A little bit further up. P- <laughs> God damn it! Cock and ball torture. CBT. God damn it. I tried and I couldn't with a straight face. Um, the, the, the throat. A little bit lower. If the you boob. say shins, I'm going to kill you. The boobs of fear. Uh, move ten, move sideways. The arms of fear. Little further out. I said hand a minute ago. Did you? I didn't I hear did. it. 
Okay, well, it was hand. Oh, well, yeah, it's the hand of fear. All right. It, uh, Go eat your fucking why, water bottle, uh, goddammit. <laughs> Get out of my it, life. It's, it's why, it's, it's why uh, you're holding a hand in the cover, and I knew you oh. would forget that you were. <laughs> so that's saying. All right, well. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care, man. I don't okay, care next episodes. <laughs> the hand of fear. <laughs> oh, good night. Yeah. We regret to inform you, Deer has died. Long live Deer. Deer will be replaced next episode by Stephen Fry.